Welcome to the Speckled Truth Podcast. This is the only show dedicated to the conservation of the trophy trout population from the East Coast to the Gulf Coast. Here, we go below the surface to discuss what happens when science and anglers work together for a cause. Gear up with your host, Captain Chris Bush, a trophy trout purist, leader and educator within the fishing community, as he talks about all things big speckled trout. Get ready for the slimy, salty truth, better known as the speckled truth. Hey everyone, I want to welcome you back to the Speckled Truth Podcast. Captain Chris here, joined by Daniel Nussbaum from Z-Man Fishing. Daniel, good morning, bud. Morning, Chris. How are you? It's great, man. Uh, been well, teleworking, <laughs> fishing when I can, trying to survive the uh, the COVID-19 uh, deal, man. And it's just been uh, kind of a, a very interesting time, to say the least, you know, from homeschooling kids to trying to get this thing kicked off. I can only imagine on your side what it's like as a as the president and CEO of Z-Man Fishing, what, what your world looks like. So I really appreciate your time, man. How you been? Uh, I've been good. It's like you said, it's just been a really different and challenging time. I'm actually uh, in my home office right now and uh, my 11 year old is upstairs doing uh, Zoom school. Um, so it's been some adjustments like you trying to uh, get some sense of normalcy and get out on the water to stay sane. But we're uh, fortunately we're getting getting some people back to work now, shipping some uh, orders out in our warehouse and just getting our plant rolling this week. So that's great. Hopefully we can get back to normal sooner rather than later. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing, man. And, well, and from everybody that I've talked to is that really one of the things, especially here in the Texas coast that you can do and talking to folks over in, a, in Louisiana and Mississippi is one of the things that you can pretty much do and maintain social distancing, et cetera, et cetera, is fishing. Mm-hmm. And so that's good. Right. And so folks and, and friends of mine that are charter captains and yeah, they've seen a little bit of a dip in terms of their clientele, but on the same token as, you know, tackle manufacturers and people that are selling product and things of that nature, actually seeing a little bit of an uptick to some extent, because just generally more people are fishing right now and, and spending more time in the water. And that's good, man, for people to go ahead and find solace on the water. It is absolutely. I was talking to somebody about it last week and, you know, for me, fishing has always been, you know, an escape. Um, it's been just something to clear my mind and now more than ever, uh, just being able to get out, you know, even if it's just Saturday morning for a few hours and get on the water and watch the sun come up and catch a couple of fish, then, uh, it's amazing how much that helps. And, you know, like you said, it's great that people are able to get out right now. Um, we just had a, a kind of a sales and marketing, uh, virtual meeting yesterday. We're all using video conferencing now to try to social distance as much as we can. But it was interesting hearing from our sales guys, you know, how brisk business has been, you know, in Florida, parts of Texas, mm-hmm. uh, North Carolina. I know locally here, everybody's still fishing. So it's great that people are able to still get out on the water. Yeah. And somebody was like, man, it's just so many people out there. It's try to, you know, it feels like a Thursday is now a Saturday and Wednesdays are kind of along those same lines. And that's where people would kind of go in terms of escaping some of the crowds on the weekends. But again, man, you got to look back and say, dude, you know, all things in perspective, considering what's everything that's going on is that people are actually hitting the water. And I think we all think alike in terms of, dude, that's the one place that I really find peace, you know, mm-hmm. and whether I catch fish or not, I'm still, 
you know, immersed in nature and trying to catch fish and thinking about something other than, you know, finances or viruses or social distancing or where can I go, food scarcity, whatever it is, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's just kind of weird, man, but such an interesting time. (laughs) It is. And that's what it's all about for me is, you know, you just, like you mentioned, and I think we look at it the same way, Chris, is when you're out there on the water, your singular focus is, all right, what's my next move? What's the next bait I'm going to tie on? You know, what are the fish doing right now? And, you know, not thinking about (laughs) COVID-19. It's kind of a nice change of pace. I know, right? So, all right, I've known you for, actually, it's crazy now to think about how long I've actually, I would say, known you. I think it's probably been about 12 or 13 years. I was thinking about that beforehand. You're absolutely right. And and so we'll talk a little bit about that here in a sec, because I've been 15 years active duty in the military. And so when I met you was actually at my second duty station at Shaw, Mm -hmm. uh, when I was stationed at Shaw, excuse me, in South Carolina, I would make trips to the coast. And uh, that's how I inevitably met you. But before we get into that, go ahead and tell people who may not have heard of you or have heard of Z-Man. And in, in that regard, tell them a little bit about yourself and about what you do and and Z-Man fishing products. Sure. Well, um, a little bit about me, Chris. I've been, um, I grew up here in South Carolina in the Charleston area and, uh, you know, fortunately grew up uh, two houses down from a tidal creek where I could go and, you know, catch trout and reds off neighbor's docks in the afternoon after school. So I've been fishing my whole life, um, studied marine biology and marine fisheries policy in college and spent the summers in college working on um, on head boats here in South Carolina. Okay. Um, eventually went to law school, hated being a lawyer, did that for three years and um, quit practicing law and went to work in a shop called the Charleston Angler here. Um, uh, helped run their second location and then manage both stores. That's when we met, when you were in South That's Carolina right. and you were a customer of mine. And, That's right. um, you know, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do long-term and the opportunity to, um, to run Z-Man really basically fell in my lap. And at the time, um, I know there's probably still people out there that don't know a whole lot about, about Z-Man, especially maybe on the, on the Gulf Coast, since we're a South Carolina company. But, um, you know, at the time, Z-Man was really operating behind the scenes. We were, um, we've been around for about 30 or 35 years. We started off making silicone skirts for other companies like Strike King and War Eagle. Uh, then we got into making our Elastec soft plastics and initially uh, made those for Strike King and a couple of other companies. Uh, but right around the time where when I was hired at Z-Man, which was around 2008, we were about a year into trying to to really sell under the under the Z-Man brand and control mm-hmm. our own destiny. So we were in the very early stages. We didn't have a whole lot of customers. One thing we had going for us was that we had just acquired the the patents and trademarks for the chatterbait bladed jig which mm-hmm. you know might not be something that a lot of a lot of trout fishermen know about but if you're a bass fisherman you know all <laughs> about the chatterbait um yeah and um you know fortunately we had that going for us and then i've gotten to you know kind of kind of do the fun part for the last 11 and a half years and that's you know really grow a brand come up with new products work on marketing and you know, all the other challenges that go along with running a business, expanding manufacturing and sourcing and distribution and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of kind of a little bit about me in a nutshell. And as far as Z-Man goes, we've managed to grow the business tremendously, especially in the last five years, not mm-hmm. just on the saltwater side, but also in the bass fishing world. Um, 
with, uh, particularly with the Ned rig, which I know that, that you're oh, yeah. quite familiar oh, with. Yeah. Um, Yo, we'll talk a little, we'll talk yeah. a little about that here in a sec. Yeah. yeah. I figured that would come up, but, yeah. uh, yeah. And we're, and we're, and we've got a, a global presence too. We've got distributors in about 45 countries and we're the number one, uh, soft plastic lure brand in Australia and New Zealand right now. So that's kind of cool too. And I was going to say that, man, and, and and for those folks who may not have heard of Z-Man, I mean, I don't know kind of where you've been, especially if you do fish, because you guys are truly a global brand. And I was thinking more about that in terms of Z-Man and your company is that really you truly are one of the, that I can think of, brands that truly embraces both markets from a freshwater and a saltwater. I mean, you have more of a presence if not or more if not more of a presence obviously in a freshwater market than you do the saltwater but i tell you what it's it's damn near equal in terms of <laughs> the external eye right i mean yeah there's a lot of saltwater anglers that that throw a lot of z-man plastics and and techniques and things of that nature but then i talked to my buddy zach dubois who owns cajun lures uh out of Mm-hmm. out of uh yeah down there in, in south louisiana and so <laughs> he's like oh you know we're talking about tackle warehouse he's like dude i can't wait to drop a couple hundred bucks on some jackhammers you know and so it's pretty funny man yeah it um we, we kind of have uh established ourselves in fresh and salt and and from the start you know we knew that you know if you want to be a player in the soft plastic world and really the fishing lure world you need to be into that bass market because that's you know where more soft plastics are purchased than anywhere else. At the same time, we live right here on the South Carolina coast, and you know every weekend I I can either drive ten minutes to drop my boat in to catch trout and reds, um, or drive an hour up to the lake to go bass fish. And to me, that's a no brainer. Um, so uh, you know we all we all love saltwater fishing, so we'll always have a have a presence there, even if it's not as big of a market. It's one that's really important to us because it's what we're passionate about. Yeah, no, for sure. So, dude, Charleston angler. Yeah, you're right. Uh, probably a dozen <laughs> years ago, and so for every for folks, I would actually go fish. Uh, again, always being kind of a knucklehead and trying to go and catch trout, I wanted to go and explore the Charleston waters, and so that's definitely been something. But heading down to the Charleston area and trying to go ahead and figure that area out. And so fishing Wando Cooper Rivers, and just trying to kind of plug into that local scene there, I, I stumbled upon the Charleston Angler. I think it was in Mount Pleasant. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I also used to like to go there because there was a Five Guys Burgers and Fries like <laughs> right down. And so that was kind of like my stop, man, after... Uh, I ate there way I... too much myself. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, man, it's kind of hard to believe that like a dozen years later, obviously, you know, we're, we're here. But the funny thing about it is, is from that time through the course of time, we've haven't really crossed paths a whole heck of a lot, except we have one mutual and it's literally one mutual friend in common. Mm-hmm. And he's both a really good friend. And that's my friend uh, and our friend, uh, Mr. Sam Davis or Captain Sam Davis there in oh, Ocean yeah. Springs, Mississippi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you guys, I think had linked up at the Marsh Madness uh, or something along those lines down in Venice. And it turns out that the common person we both knew was, was Mr. Sam Davis. And so what, first off you, you did get the, get a chance to fish out of Venice quite a bit. Is oh right? yeah, quite a bit. I've been really blessed and started going down there about 10 years ago now for this Marsh Madness Writers event, which is really more of a, 
a boondoggle than a than a writer's <laughs> event. There's some, you know, we've had yeah. great, you know, editors from from Bassmaster and In Fisherman and Bass Times and Sport Fishing Magazine and you know Louisiana Sportsman and all these other you know independent writers. But at the same time, it's a lot of you know bass guys dragging their boats down. And I think Sam was a college buddy of uh, of a couple of guys. That, yeah, that Todd Masson. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Todd. Todd. I got to know Todd really well down there, mm-hmm. but. Um, but yeah, um, Sam and I kind of hit it off. He's a great guy, you know, obviously an avid fisherman. And that's just one of those small world kind of things. We made that connection probably seven or eight years ago. And it's like, wow, that is, that is a small world. Yeah, um, and, yeah, and been able to, and been able to keep and facilitate that. And to this point, right. Where we're actually finally reconnecting. It feels like, <laughs> yeah. you know, talking on this, on the, on the podcast, man. And yeah, goodness gracious, you're, you know, you own a global brand, holy smokes, and I own this little piddly old thing, uh, Speckle Truth, man. Well, you, in terms you, you've of- done a great job with it. I was telling our sales and marketing guys yesterday that uh, that I was going to do this podcast with you, and they were all really excited about it. I think you'd That's be surprised cool. at the at the following that you've got, and uh, you know, it's it's really kind of a cool, I guess, brand that you've created, Chris. So, you know, hats off to you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Dan. Yeah, we obviously try, man, and. Anyway, we could spend a long time on that, but I don't want to talk about that because, uh, for you as, as a president, uh, and CEO of Z-Man getting a chance to go fishing and it sounds like you obviously grew up in doing that. And so do you get a chance to no kid and truly still fish? Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's funny. I mean, a lot of people, they hear about what I do or, you know, friends, um, acquaintances, and they say, you must get to fish all the time. And, you know, I actually, when I was a lawyer, I was really into offshore fishing then. And I was offshore fishing, you know, once a week, maybe twice a week. And those are 14 hour days on the water. Um, now, you know, I fish pretty much every week. If I'm lucky mm-hmm. twice a week, if I'm unlucky, it might be, you know, every couple of weeks, but, um, I've got a, you know, flats boat right under where I'm sitting right now in the garage. And, my fishing nowadays is usually, um, you know, get up an hour before the sun comes up on Saturday morning, dump the boat in, throw top water, fish until, you know, mid mid morning or midday if I'm lucky and get back to the house. But I try to keep up with it every week. And, you know, it's something, it's really kind of like a sanity check for me, not to mention that it's, uh, you know, a lot of fun just to get out on the water and try out new baits and things like that. And then on top of that, I'm, I'm, you know, pretty lucky in the position that I'm in right now is we've got all kind of photo shoots and video shoots that I get to go on and have gotten to go to some cool places. I've been to Louisiana, you know, at least once a year for the last 10 years, probably twice a year, um, most years. Um, so, uh, really lucky in that regard that I'm able to, to fish a little bit and actually call it work in addition to my, you know, once a week morning on the water. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, talking about, do you have like any like revelations on the water while you're fishing? Like, man, this would be really good if we could maybe figure out how to do this and how it maybe suits your style of fishing, especially not only fishing in the Charleston complex, but getting to travel all around and fish in various areas and kind of having these kind of like, Oh man, I wish we'd, or we maybe need to focus on this. Do you have like any sort of those revelation moments when you're out there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, a lot of it comes from, I mean, there are things that, you know, pop into my head when I'm out there, you know, you see, uh, you know, a bait fish or a shrimp moving a certain way and, you know, think, Mm -hmm. well, that's, you know, something that we want to mimic, um, or you see the fish respond to, to something. And we're always tinkering, you know, cutting up 
baits and gluing them together yeah. and making different profiles. The thing that's really been beneficial to me is, you know, going to places like Louisiana or North Carolina or Florida where the fishing's, you know, really pretty different than it is here in Charleston. And, um, you know, and, and really getting to pick the brains of, of some guides that we work with and the people mm -hmm. that are on the water every day, because, you know, we get, we get tunnel vision into what works here and what colors work here and how we do things here. And it's good to, you know, kind of step out of the box a little bit. And, and I really try to, you know, pick other people's brains about what do they want to see. And, and I was going to ask you that question because you do, I mean, sifting through your pros, at least on your website, right. And, mm -hmm. and looking through that, that's a pretty, that's a pretty stout list, but, uh, you know, from CA Richardson to Luke Clawson, a B lat, you know, Brian Latimer, David Walker. I mean, just to name a few, I mean, these are some of the best anglers in the world and, and getting a chance to kind of interact with them. I would imagine tends to bleed into kind of lore development and design, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, what, what's that process like? Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. And we lean heavily on our, on our pros. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm just a, a weekend warrior when it comes to fishing, really. I mean, I'm lucky to be able to work in the industry, but those guys are the real pros. And beyond those guys, the guides that we work with and mm -hmm. a lot of the more local pros. And so we've always deferred pretty largely um, to them on new product and let them guide our, our new product process. We ask them what they want. We've the last couple of years, we've you know had our pros down and you know kind of done a roundtable brainstorming thing with them and um, you know, each of our, our baits that we come out with, I mean, I think about everything that we're coming out with this year and, and, and they're almost all, you know, completely guided by our pros. So, uh, you know, the, the new product development process is really the fun part. I mean, you know, hearing an idea from them and turning it into a, a reality and getting to see it evolve every step of the way and fix things that don't work right about it. But, you know, we're really just taking cues from those guys because they're the experts. Yeah. And so, I mean, ha have you had a chance like B-Lat and Luke Clawson and, and, and David Walker? I mean, especially those guys on like the freshwater scene. I mean, they have some pretty cool experiences in terms of like fishing some like Bassmaster Classic, Major League mm -hmm. Fishing, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, do you get a chance to kind of go there and kind of see that whole whole deal as well or what? Um, I mean, I haven't done a lot of the Experience, tournament yeah. stuff with them, uh, you know, or been to a lot of the tournaments. I mean, when they've had them, they were, you know, an hour north of us here at the Winyaw Bay a few years ago. And, uh -huh. uh, you know, got to kind of check that out behind the scenes, which was really cool. But, you know, really have gotten to spend a lot of time with them just in various, you know, photo and video shoots over the years. I mean, we've gone, you know, to some really cool places like Okeechobee and, and Toho and, um, you know, done some stuff up north and some smallmouth kind of areas and, yeah. you know, just getting to ride around with a, in a bass boat with those guys and watch those guys fish. It's, um, it's really amazing. I mean, you know, those guys are, I mean, they're the, they, they truly are the best in the world. Yeah. And that's something, man, like I really want to do because just experience that, you know, and I've mm -hmm. actually had kind of some grander visions about maybe doing, you know, some like YouTube video series with regards to that. Yeah. Um, that I'll share at a different time. Cause I think it's actually a pretty decent idea, but the idea is like to see kind of their world, their thought process. And I, I lean heavily, at least in my own fishing style, uh, back to the freshwater fishing. I'm always scouring, listening, learning from those guys, because one, again, they are kind of 
the best. They're so in tune, man, with their equipment, with their gear, with their technique and approach and so precise. The, the crazy- and, and aside, dude, and aside from that, like just, you know, lore selection and, and, and their efficiency. And there's a lot to, I think, learn and garner from an inshore angler who's trying to be specific because these guys are specific. They're trying to catch the biggest bass that they can in said lake, reservoir, et cetera. And I'm trying to be, in my approach, specific about targeting the biggest trout in said uh, bay area complex estuary, right? And so there's mm-hmm. there's some there's some parallels to that, and I want to draw uh, from their experiences and see how I can be more efficient my own approach. And so that's just kind of why it's it's intriguing to me it learning from them. And so I I, I wanted to ask you because you've had that chance, you know? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing that's, that's been really cool for me, maybe even cooler than going and bass fishing with these guys is having them here in South Carolina and taking Mm -hmm. them saltwater fishing. Like having a guy like, like I've pulled Luke Clawson around sight fishing for redfish and B-Lat he's, you know, he's lives about three and a half hours inland from here and he's gotten into the saltwater stuff and has an mm-hmm. aluminum boat now and he's come down and fish with me and oh, that's cool. we had we had um all of our pros here back in november when the fishing was just off the hook and you know got to mm-hmm. take stephen browning one day and mark daniels yeah. jr the next day but watching those guys saltwater fish and pick apart a situation that's completely unfamiliar to them and you mentioned how in tune they are with their equipment. I mean, that is something that saltwater anglers just don't understand. And, you know, those guys, I would rather, you know, have one of those guys on the bow of my boat than anybody in the world because they are seeing things that I don't see. They're adjusting, they're casting five times as much as a normal angler would. And mm-hmm. they just make you look good. I mean, it's amazing yeah. how, how quickly they dial it in. Yeah, that would be, that would be Awesome, man. Uh, I would love to actually just kind of get a, a dude down here and wade, you know, and, and kind of see, cause it's, you know, wade fishing is a lot different, you know, where obviously in a boat, you have all your electronics, you have your, you know, your equipment, your side scan, et cetera, et cetera. Well, when you're wade fishing, man, look, you got two things and they're called your feet and they're kind of everything that you need, right? They're your depth finder. They're understanding bottom contour and, and, you know, what the bottom is made of, et cetera, et cetera. And so you're trying to figure and map all these different things out by literally just standing on the bottom of, of the actual bay or whatever it is, or a flat. And so that would, I think, be even more of an in- intriguing part to me is kind of to see one of these pros, like literally wade fish in a flat and how they approach and, and pick it apart and things that I, I I'd like to kind of get between the ears on that. Yeah, yeah, they'd love it. I mean, and the crazy thing about these guys is they're like complete fish heads. When they were here, <laughs> I mean, it was like, you know, in it was, you know, nine at night and they were, you know, going out fishing dock lights when we were all, you know, there any chance they can they can get to get on the water and catch a fish and any kind of new experience is super cool to them. So yeah, That's I would cool. love to, I mean, that would be really neat. Of course, uh, around here, you can't wade fish because, uh, you know, you'd sink up your waist in, in what we call pluff mud. And I'd just like to get down there and do some wade fishing. Cause that sounds really neat to me. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I'm not trying to put you on a spot. I'm just trying to get between the ears of those guys and kind of see what they would think. But it's cool to hear that those guys are true fish heads, man. Look, when I can't go fishing, like it's been a week since I've been, I'm actually, I went last Thursday. I can only really kind of go like typically once a week now. Uh, but dude, like just tying knots, right? Like for me and tying a new bait on or lubing, 
you know, providing, you know, cleaning a reel or something like that. If I can just hold something fishing related, like right. it makes me feel better. <laughs> and so it's because like, there's just like this asphyxiation of just wanting to get on the water. And so, yeah, when I was studying in college, my God, we would stay down in Port Fouchon and we'd be, you know, um, actually pulling trawls or doing like a shrimp study that boring. Nonetheless, when everybody else is going to sleep, I was like, these guys were, man. And we had dock lights on the end of a pier mm-hmm. near Port Fouchon. Dude, I was smoking white trout all night. Like oh, I yeah. was freaking red eyed the next morning. You know, I was just stoked. I just couldn't get enough. And even though it was like 10 to 12 inch white trout, I didn't care. So anyway, enough about that. Anyway, uh, but the, uh, so let's talk about some of the plastics in a plastic makeup. That's been something that's obviously truly set you guys apart. And that is the Elastec, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the buoyancy that you in Z-Man and the Z-Man line has. So talk to us a little bit about like the, the product makeup and, and sure. why that is such an advantage. Yeah. So, you know, for those of y'all that aren't familiar with the last tech, it's a completely different kind of soft plastic material. Um, regular soft plastic baits are made from PVC, polyvinyl chloride that's, you know, juiced with some, um, plasticizers uh, to soften it up. It's made of the same stuff that the pipes in your house are made of most likely. Um, But uh, you know, ours is a different material. It's used more in the biomedical industry, industrial applications. Um, And we're really the the pioneers of using it in, in fishing lures. The uh, material and the process was developed over 15 years ago now. Um, And uh, you know, it's really home brewed by Z-Man. Um, so it's kind of unique to us. It's been kind of interesting. We're starting to get copied over in China a little bit, which I guess is a, you know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. But, um, you know, the, the main advantage that most people think about when they think about a Laztec is the durability. If you haven't, you know, held one of our baits before, you can take it and stretch it 10 times its length mm-hmm. and it's not going to tear or break. So obviously when you're, you know, getting chewed up by pinfish on the flats or things like yeah. that, or you could catch, you know, 50 trout on one bait, uh, you know, that's an advantage right there. But like you mentioned before, the buoyancy is really the one that, um, that I think is the real difference maker and is what allows a Laztec in a lot of situations to outperform other plastics. You know, a lot of people don't think a floating plastic would be beneficial, but um, at least here when you're fishing, you're mostly, you know, dragging something close to the bottom on a jig head when it's a plastic Mm -hmm. or a weighted swim bait hook. And when you stop that bait, you know, it's not going to lay flat on the bottom and settle down. The tail's going to float up. It's going to look natural in the water. And I can't tell you how many times I've been, you know, just out fishing and, um, you know, my phone's rang and I put my rod under my, under my arm to answer my phone. And, you know, the bait's not moving. It's just sitting on the bottom, no scent on the bait and almost had it ripped out of my hand. Um, you know, there's something, there's really something to that. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, though, in in, in buoyancy, I think over durability, I will take that characteristic over durability because again, I'm, I'm targeting one bite. I'm not looking to go and and catch a bazillion trout every single day. Like I used to be right now. Mm -hmm. So in terms of like plastics durability, that's kind of somewhat irrelevant to me, although it is, it does play a part, right? Don't get me wrong, but yeah. Um, but with regards to buoyancy now, that's a big difference because even when like a nose rig, those jerk shads that you have, mm-hmm. you know, I do have to throw a nail weight to get the bait down, but it sinks way slower and operates in as, in as much, 
slower in its descent because it has this natural buoyancy kind of counteracting whatever that size nail weight that I'm throwing in there. And so it's just, and then not only that, obviously, uh, with your plastics on the bottom, uh, that tail, tail up motion, it looks Mm -hmm. like maybe a fish is trying to kind of scurry and kind of get out of the way. And then ultimately that's why I love the Ned rig. And so I wanted to segue into that because dude, that has been such a huge part of my fishing arsenal and approach. And I think it's still remarkably underutilized, uh, in the saltwater world is, is the, is the Ned rig or the salty Ned, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's definitely underutilized. I mean, I, I'm kind of guilty of that myself. Uh, I don't throw it enough. Um, and it's always eye opening, you know, when I've got somebody on the boat that's throwing it, like last month I was fishing with a buddy of mine who kicked my butt with it. Um, and that's not the first time that's happened, but yeah, it's just, um, you know, we never really expected the Ned rig to, well, we didn't expect it to catch on in the freshwater market like it did. Um, and it's kind of, you know, been a, been a huge, huge deal, but I definitely didn't expect it to be a factor in the saltwater market. But the fact is, is, is it's just, you know, a small bait like that, that stands up on the bottom that, is non-threatening to fish. It just looks like food. It feels like food. Um, it's just an easy meal and, you know, little fish are going to pick it up and eat it. And I know you've seen this firsthand, Chris, but big fish are going to eat it too. And that's what I can't tell people enough is from a big fish capability. Yeah. It's, it doesn't have the large presence that if you're going to get one bite, it's going to be a big one. But the, the law of averages essentially catch up to you, especially fish in this plastic. And I think, again, there's kind of these intangibles about the bait, but it catches freaking everything that swims. <laughs> yeah. it, it really does, man. It, and, uh, dude, I've caught like 20-pound redfish on a stoop, on a thing. Oh, yeah. I hate those yeah. things, by the way. But, uh, but dude, I've, I've caught a 30-inch trout on, on a thing, but I've also caught like croaker on it. I right. mean, dude, literally anything that freaking swims eats that thing. And so... But it goes back to if you're fishing an area, for, at least for me, at least those folks wading, you know, flats or fishing kind of big fish areas on those high pressure days or clear water situations, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, this is a thing that is so non-threatening. You said it and so non-threatening to a big predatory fish that when it gets in its personal space, they just want to get rid of it. And so they'll mm-hmm. take a, a quick eat and, it, and it's done. But um, it, that's the work. But so... The thing is, though, is understanding it seems like that capability in popularity is growing so much. Y'all went from just a simple finesse TRD to, I think, uh, y'all had the hula sticks mm-hmm. uh, to now expanding that product line much, much more. Uh, now you have the big TRD, you have um, the uh, the hogs, you have, and, and so yeah, we've actually, got TRD yeah, hogs, TRD crawls, we've got the yeah, trick, trick shots. shots. TRD oh minnows. It's a whole, it's a whole family of products and, um, you know, they've all kind of taken off and, you know, the original TRD is probably our best seller, but the one that I've been throwing a lot recently that I think is the best one, it's kind of, you know, you take a few years of refining things. We've got one called the TRD ticklers that is a, mm-hmm. you know, pretty small profile, but it's got some yeah. little tentacles on the end, kind of like our hula sticks, just a little shorter and fatter and, and that's just been a killer saltwater bait. We've got some good, you know, saltwater colors in that bait too. 
And y'all do have good saltwater colors. I've actually thrown a TRD hogs lately. Yeah, no, that's um, a great one. Yeah. Dude, it's got those little tentacles. It, it really does look like a shrimp. It's got a know, shrimpy clean. look to it. Yeah. Oh my God, dude. And again, such a small presentation, non-threatening, et cetera, et cetera. It just gets it. But I, I did want to actually tell, and the actual Ned Locks jig heads and, and the capability that a Ned rig has is that the actual swimming trout trick, I've actually thrown uh, a swimming trout trick on the actual Ned Locks head. Again, smaller profile um, and fishing it in that capability with, the, again, that kind of Z-Man Elastec natural buoyancy. It still kind of gives that same fishability and it's also worked pretty well too. So, I'd like to take a small break to sincerely thank our podcast sponsors. As you know, we're a brand about sharing the passion and pursuit of trophy speckled trout, as well as our conservation. Fortunately for us, Mirror Lore, Texas Custom Lures, and the original Custom Corky support that same passion, which is evident through the support of this podcast. Simply put, without these brands, none of this would be possible. And we're incredibly appreciative, and we hope you are too. Now, let's get back to the discussion. I did want to mention, though, that because this has been brought up a couple of times over the course of years. And so kind of going through your product line, one of those things that I saw on there was the original trout trick. And so yeah. when Sam Davis told me about kind of Z-Man and what y'all are doing, it was the original trout trick. He had sent mm -hmm. me a few and it's the standard plastic, not the actual trout tricks that y'all have where it has the Elastec. And so talking with a bunch of anglers from the North Carolina complex, from the Virginia complex, dude, they were like by demand, like this thing has to be, it's, it has a cult-like following almost it like does. all around Corky, man. So tell, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So the, the trout trick, you know, that kind of came into the Z-Man family a little bit differently. There's a guy named Bob Sanders, um, who he, he actually used to, um, bass fish on the FLW tour. Um, and Bob retired from bass fishing and he started guiding in saltwater about an hour south of here in Edisto Beach um, on the South Carolina coast. And, you know, Bob had uh, it's not the trout trick isn't really a new profile. There was another company that made it years and years ago and discontinued it. But Bob somehow stumbled upon that shape in the original trout trick color and, you know, just found that it outfished everything else for trout and other, and other species too, you know, fishing in a really specific way, kind of popping the rod really sharply twice and letting it sink down to the bottom on what he called a semi slack line. Um, you know, just, you know, loose enough that, that it's going to fall vertically, but yep. tight enough that you can, can feel that tick when a, when a trout sucks it in. Um, but, um, you know, he, he was convinced that that triggered a reaction strike. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, Bob actually, um, he had a stroke. Uh, this is probably going back, mm. I don't know, six, seven years and couldn't really run it, run the company anymore. He was just making, you know, that one trout trick bait in one color. Color, yep. Yeah, so we bought the brand from him and we still offer that original version, although we had molds made so we can make it in Elastec. And I think we offer it in 16 or 18 different colors in Elastec now. And, you know, a lot of people swear by the old version, Um Personally, I haven't seen much of a difference between the original one and the um, the Elastec version, just in terms of fish catching, and and I've become partial to um, 
to our shrimp po' boy color, which is kind mm -hmm. of a clear body with some flake and a chartreuse tail. And, and that bait, that trout trick and the shrimp po' boy color on a 3 ounce trout eye jig head, I've caught, you know, more big trout on that than, uh, than any other soft plastic mm -hmm. that I've used. Yeah. So, yeah. And so when that, when the original trout trick, I think it kind of lapsed in production or quit being produced or something along those lines. And it probably, and it was probably maybe around that time frame. Mm -hmm. Um, but dude, people were messaging me, you know, and like, how can I get this thing? It was like black market type stuff. <laughs> it's like, yeah, what? yeah. And I'm like, wait, what, what's, what's the deal here? And so people were buying, you know, hundreds and hundreds at a time, you know, just to stock up and it was crazy, man. I'm like, wow, I never really understood necessarily how much of a relevance <laughs> a, a it had. I mean, more, yeah. Yeah, i'm like holy smokes man yeah so we actually um you know we we only inject uh Laztec plastics so we have to have another company the company that was originally making them for bob sanders um yeah. you know they still have the original set of molds and they they make them for us when we need them every few years we'll place a huge order um for them but it's one of those things we let it run out of stock and we heard from enough consumers and and tackle shops that it was something that we needed to keep on making so we we love our Elastec material but uh but we're also not stupid if something want to buy something <laughs> yeah. some people want to buy something from us we're still gonna sell it to them so no i got you i got you well i've been throwing uh actually a lot of the texas eye yeah. jig head oh my god man that thing's been amazing now i've thrown it on both but i've actually had more luck here locally throwing it on a six inch gambler flapping shad. And so it, mm -hmm. again, it kind of shows the versatility that just one component of your brand has, uh, to the rest of the market. I know obviously Dave Flad and Ralph Phillips and, yeah. and I strike and obviously that, but you know, it just shows that, yeah, it, it not only pairs well with Z-Man tails, but also with K Wiggler Willow tails, gambler flapping shads or any sort of like big, big profile type baits, man. So there's, they're definitely kind of crossbreed as well in terms of their versatility and, and usage, you know, but that's, that's a great. With the eye strike stuff. I mean, we want people using it with everything. I mean, I'm convinced that, you know, Dave and Ralph, like you mentioned, they're two of the best anglers I know and really smart guys. And I think they're really on to something with the, with the big eye. I mean, it's a really prominent yeah. strike target. You seem to get more bites and get a better hookup ratio because it's going for the head. And they've designed all their products to, you know, work not just with Elastec, but to work with conventional plastic as well. So, um, you know, they're, they're just great jig heads. And if you look in my boat, that's, you know, what I'm throwing yeah. most of the time. I got a pile of them in there right now. <laughs> but they're But they're very, very focused in terms of like their engineering style and how, yeah, again, there's a lot of thought. There's a lot of kind of, and I, I want to bring this into kind of the, the conversation, there's a science right to it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so actually I think it's in your slow, it's like, it's in your slogan, which is the science and art of fishing is yeah. what Z-Man is about. Like, is that, that precision, that level of engineering, that thought process, is that kind of how that slogan came about? Yeah. So, the, you know, a lot of it is because, uh, with the science part of that slogan, uh, because the founder of Z-Man was really a scientist. Um, hmm. he, um, he passed away just before, uh, before I came on board at Z-Man, but I, but I knew him for years. He had over 200 patents to his name and he's the Dude, one wow. who, you know, kind of spawned the process of, Hey, let's look into using some of these thermoplastics for fishing lures. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so a real scientific mind, um, you know, 
everybody thinks of Elastech, um, you know, associates that with Z-Man. And that's an example of, of you know, putting science and chemistry together to, to come up with a better material. But even going back 35 years, um, Z-Man made the first silicone skirts um, no for bass spinner baits. And yeah, it was an offshoot from a production line in another company that was making silicone tape for brake pads. And a guy was a bass fisherman and, and, um, and, you know, said, Hey, we can color this stuff and put glitter in it and slid it into strands and put a rubber band holding it together. And, you know, that's really the roots of our company are, are science. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool to hear, man. I mean, like, and, and I had, so Mr. Eric Botnick on the show and him talking mm-hmm. about kind of how mirror lore got started and how it started just from a simple, thought right of of how can i make something that catches fish or modifies something that is is helpful to anglers and then obviously the rest is history at that point i didn't that's crazy i didn't know that now like mm-hmm. the art of fishing i mean it now obviously it being so i mean there's some art to fishing i write about that all the time thinking about all the external factors all the all the intangibles tide water uh, temp, uh, wind direction, barometric pressure, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there's some like art to fishing in terms of boat positioning, et cetera, et cetera, you know? So is that something that kind of ties in there as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think it ties into everything, uh, that we do. I mean, definitely in everything from the bait designs, you know, to the marketing that we do. I mean, you look at, um, at some of our, our project Z videos that we've done, um, recently, you know, we have this series called project Z profiles where we kind of feature, you know, one of our pros or bait designers or someone we work with. And that's, you know, got an artistic element to it right there. Um, Mm. that, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of other companies don't focus on that sort of thing, but, you know, we try to try to, um, you know, really live and breathe that science and art of fishing tagline. That's cool, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I want to ask you too. Um, so what's the best part of being the president of Zima, man? Oh man, it is, um, you know, like I mentioned before, I mean, getting to go on, on, on some cool fishing trips and, you know, picking the brains of, of some of the best fishing minds around that's been, um, been one of the, one of the greatest things about it. I mean, to be able to go to, you know, Louisiana or, you know, Lake of the woods in Canada and call it work. I mean, you know, I mean, how much luckier could you be than that? But honestly, the thing that I like about it the most um, you know, aside from the fact that it's, uh, dealing with fishing is just every day is so different. And there's, you know, so many different things, um, you know, that are, that are thrown at you every day, whether it's a manufacturing challenge or a distribution challenge in the warehouse or, um, you know, coming up with marketing ideas. And it's, you know, it just, the, the pace of the job moves very quickly and, you know, it just, it just never seems to get old. Hmm. Do you have, do you have like, like a lot of interaction with like customers? Do you get like a lot of feedback from customers? Yeah, we do. Um, you know, I, I'm dealing less and less with, uh, with consumers nowadays and less and less, even with our dealers as we, you know, continue to grow. We've just added the third mm-hmm. member to our sales team, in-house sales team this past year. But, um, you know, one of the really cool things is getting to go to, um, 
you know, a show like uh, the Bassmaster Classic, where you're dealing directly with consumers, or, mm -hmm. you know, the ICAST show in the summer, where you're dealing directly with your retailers, or, you know, and still try to, I still try to keep my hand on the pulse. Like, for instance, um, one of our, one of our best saltwater dealers um, is located up near Newburn, North Carolina, which, you know, they're like, yeah. I mean, those guys are, you know, crazy about their trout fishing up yes, there. Yes, they are. <laughs> um, but uh, went up there and did their, they had an inshore fishing school with 250 people back in February no and, and went up there and did a couple of seminars, but spent the day just shooting the breeze with people, listening to, you know, what, what they like about our stuff, what they don't like about it, what they, what they'd like to see, just hearing fish stories and talking yeah. back and forth with them. And, you know, that's an awesome part of it too. And, and to me, the most rewarding part about the job is probably, you know, hearing somebody come up to you and say, you know, I had my best day ever or caught my biggest trout ever, or my biggest red ever, and seeing a picture, mm -hmm. uh, that they show. And, you know, that's not only a bait that we've made, but that's a bait that, you know, I may have had a hand in designing. And that's, that's really, really cool because it's, you know, bringing enjoyment to people and that's what it's all about. Yeah. I mean, so have you had that specifically happen? Like, let's say you've been in like Puglia's and Metairie, which I may or may not have been, but let's say Hadril's point and tap, Hadril's bait yeah. point and tap right there in Mount Pleasant. Right. And so mm -hmm. like people don't know and you're kind of hanging around and people are like, yeah, man, these E-man tails are freaking kick ass, you know? And like, Oh yeah. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Tell me more. No, you know, it's, have you ever it, 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 it's cool to, to see that happen. And that's happened a number of places. Um, that's and, good. and you know, it's really neat. Like the, like a bait, the first bait that I really was, you know, very, very involved in designing. Um, when I started at Z-Man was our scented paddlers, which we, you know, I basically wanted, you know, something like a fluke that just had a little bit of tail kick to it just mm -hmm. for how I fish for, for reds up here. You know, our reds are, you know, they, they're pretty pressured and can be pretty finicky and our trout are too. Uh, but something that, you know, didn't have as much thump as most swim baits, but a little bit of action to it. And, you know, I've heard from so many people that that's the best redfish bait I've ever fished. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, that's to hear that is like, uh, you know, it's, it's just so, that's so cool. rewarding. Yeah. God bless. Now, do you have like, so you got into this thing. I mean, did, did you have or do you have a mentor that's kind of coached you through this? Or do you look to other folks within the industry and go, man, I really that guy is like, or gal is my mentor in terms of how we're going to do things. Yeah. I've, I've had a lot of mentors. I've been really fortunate in that regard. Back when I was at the Charleston Angler, there was a guy named Avram Kronsberg who had been in the industry for years. Um, he actually used to own a distributor that, um, you know, sold the tackle shops and Walmart, but he was, mm -hmm. you know, doing the buying at the Charleston Angler when I started. And he's the one that explained, you know, profit margins to me and the business side of things to me. So there've been people like that along the way. The biggest mentor I've had since I've been at Z-Man is a guy named Drew Reese, who mm -hmm. uh, Drew actually uh, is the one who uh, convinced me. And when I say convinced me, he hammered on me and hammered on me and twisted my arm to bring the Ned rig to market uh, to the point where he had to, I mean, he invited me to go and fish in the lake of the woods in Canada uh, with him for smallmouth bass and, you know, showed me all these baits that he had cut up and jig heads, um, basically the early versions of our finesse shrooms that he was, mm -hmm. you know, pouring himself and, and tying keepers onto. 
Um, but Drew is a guy that fished in the very first Bassmaster Classic and used to be in the tackle industry years ago. He's in his 70s now. Uh, but he's really the one that's been, you know, a mentor to me and, um, you know, really helped bridge the gap uh, between, you know, the Ned Rig just being a concept and bringing it to market. Um, and, uh, and, you know, that, that, that's been pretty cool, you know, getting to know somebody like that and, and having somebody, um, you know, provide us with so much help and really ask for nothing in, in return rather than, you know, some new bait designs so he can fish with them. <laughs> That's crazy, man. And y'all did a video on that. Is that right? Yeah, we did. One of our Project Z profiles okay. videos. Yep. We shot that up at uh, Lake of the Woods at his place okay. up there and kind of told that whole story. It, yeah, I definitely recommend people checking that out. Oh, my um, God. I'll yeah. watch that. That was amazing, man. That was really well done, too. Yeah. No, that that's uh, Shane, who's our videographer, did that. And um, it's really cool because it kind of captures a little bit of little bit of who who drew is and uh we actually uh just uh gotten him down to louisiana to saltwater fish a couple of times in your in your old backyard uh, oh yeah and we were just down there um i guess this past fall we were just down there in october together uh, no kidding yeah what yeah. do you think uh what do you think louisiana man fishing down there I love it. I mean, it's, you know, like I said, I've been going, you know, twice a year pretty much for the last 10 years. And I mean, the red fishing is like nothing else in the world. Um, it, um, you know, it, it, they just act like a different species down there. And we've, you know, we've got, <laughs> they're not to, smart. <laughs> no, no. And ours, ours around here, they might not be Florida smart, but they're pretty smart. And we've gotten on some great trout fishing down there. You know, yeah. honestly, the thing that, I mean, I feel like, since I've been going down there in the last 10 years that there there's been a, been a decline, um, in the quality of the fish in there. Um, and I don't know whether it's, you know, I know you're pretty well versed in the issues of, uh, you know, uh, the erosion and, and, and yep. losing land. And I've kind of gotten an earful from different guides and people down there about that. So I know it's a habitat degradation kind of thing, but also, you know, I don't know if it has to, I just don't know enough about it. I know it's a ton of water, but a lot of people, a lot more people seem to keep a lot of fish down there versus here, but you know, maybe it's just hitting at the wrong time, but uh, it's just such an amazing place. Um, and I'd rather fish there than anywhere in the world. I think. Dude, it's, it's hard to describe to people how amazing that, that fishery is. And, and growing up, it was, you know, 10 times as amazing just cause there was more habitat, but it's yeah. cool that you get a chance to kind of experience that. And, and for me, at least kind of fishing and moving around with the air force, that's definitely been one of the things that I've truly valued. I think the most in terms of fishing various places. Now I haven't been up to the North Carolina uh, complexes and I really want to fish those areas and I will at some point. But I have, I've had a chance to fish your backyard, man, in Charleston. Mm -hmm. And, dude, I, I equate that person. And I fish Georgia, Florida East Coast, Florida West Coast, Gulf Coast, obviously all the way down here to Brownsville, uh, down in the lower Laguna Madre. And I, of all the places that I've fished, man, to me personally, Charleston has been the most difficult fishery. Yeah. It, the tidal swings um that yeah the the fish are, are really tough to catch and i i really feel like if you can master kind of that complex man you have definitely done 
something and now it transcends wherever the hell you go you know it's, yeah, amazing. It, it's definitely not an easy place to fish i mean we've got a six foot tide swing which i know you know is a lot more than unless you're you know on the georgia or northeast florida coast it's about as much as you're going to see anywhere mm-hmm. um and you know now i mean it's i mean charleston's gotten to be a big place and a big tourist destination so we deal yeah. with a lot of fishing pressure now um and, you know, the fishing's still really good. It's one of those yeah. things that to me, it, it's more intuitive than going somewhere like Louisiana where there isn't as much of a tide swing, but that's just because I've been here my whole life. You know, the, the one thing I wish that we had here was more big trout. I mean, really, as far as, as catching big trout, there's probably not a, uh, not a worse place to be. Yeah. Um, you know, it's north of us, you know, they're catching a lot of, you know, high 20 inch fish, maybe not a lot. And south of us, they are too. But here, you know, you catch one, you know, in the mid 20s and you've done something special. Um, yeah. Well, I, and that's where, I mean, in terms of your kind of being well versed, and I'd love to get Ralph on a show and I, I, I will eventually. But man, I'd love to learn a little bit more about why that is the case, right? Because if you go up and down the coast and look at the state records, you know, there's a huge well. Yeah. Uh, in South Carolina, I think it's only like nine pounds and I say only, but I mean, it's not a very large trout. Yeah. We don't get a lot of big ones. I mean, you know, every year we'll hear of a couple of people catching one in the high twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've talked to some, I've asked that question to some biologists at our department of natural resources, and they don't really seem to know, have a good answer why we don't have more big trout. I mean, the most plausible thing I've heard is, um, is that, uh, you know, it has a lot to do with not having, you know, much seagrass here. I mean, we've got, you know, Spartina marsh grass that floods right. high tide, but we don't have any real grass. Personally, I think it might be, you know, one of those things where, you know, maybe it's related to the fact that we've got so much tidal flow here um, and the fish just don't get as big as a result. Um, I yeah. think the other thing that it could be is just, you know, geographic range. I know a lot of the times, you know, you, you get, you find bigger fish at the northern end of uh of the geographic range so maybe you know that's why they got bigger fish in north carolina and virginia and then you get down into florida and you got the big you know the grass flats and the lagoons and things like that and maybe that's why they have more big fish down there so we've got plenty of them i mean it's not unusual to catch a hundred in a day but uh it'd be pretty rare to catch you know more than 10 over 20 inches in a day that's for sure yeah no, and so Keith Nuttall, who I've actually had on the uh, podcast, he's from Virginia, kind of mm-hmm. legend up there. And dude, that's what he was saying is kind of you typically see some of those bigger fish in the northern and southern reaches of where they would be. And that's so it's interesting to hear you kind of say this and echo the same thing. And that's just interesting to me, man. But um, I, I, I loved it. Don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed fishing that area. I liked fishing the flood tides. I was actually really, really unique and getting out yeah. of a boat and literally waiting on land just because the tide was so high and watching those tail and redfish. That if I were to catch a redfish, that was definitely it. I, I love watching. Oh, that's a blast. Yeah. Oh, dude, that that was actually pretty killer. I'll even give the, people know my disdain for catching redfish, <laughs> man. But I, <laughs> if I had to choose kind of one way, one would be sight fishing in a pond, super skinny, clear water. Uh, in probably Venice, uh, or that in my home waters in Port South Louisiana. I just absolutely love watching a bait respond and, or a fish respond and eat. And then, uh, obviously watching those tail, those tails just pop up in that grass. It's such, such beautiful work, man. It's, it's gorgeous, you know, and having to kind of present a bait, kind of working it literally through the land 
the grass yeah. and watching it fish eat is pretty remarkable, man. Oh yeah, that's a really cool deal. And and the crazy thing is, is those fish just have such tunnel vision on sucking fiddler crabs out of their holes that uh, they don't even know you're there a lot of the time. I mean, I've literally, you know, cane pulled fish with a seven foot rod. I mean, that's how oh, they yeah. just keep on swimming to you. And then almost, they almost, you know, they'll swim through your legs once you hook them, you know, trying to get away. That's so, crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a pretty cool deal. And there's not a whole lot of other places you can do that. I mean, it's really just a, you know, Northeast Florida up through, you know, the middle of North Carolina, I guess. So, critical question then mm-hmm. is are redfish your preferred species or do you have a preferred species that you enjoy targeting so you know i would say uh about eight Think months carefully. eight months out of the year i am mostly fishing for redfish yeah. now is the time of the year you know really april through the end of may you know those two months where that's the time of year to catch the big trout here. Um, yeah. You know, they're spawning. Um, they, the big ones, they move out of our rivers towards the ocean and kind of congregate a lot of the time in rocky areas. That's where they'll lay their eggs because they, um, you know, yeah, they, they can lay them behind yeah. some rocks and, you know, they won't wash away as quick. Um, and, you know, you get them ganged up a little bit more. They're a little bit more aggressive. They're not as hard to catch. And, uh, you know, I love, uh, this isn't Z-Man, but I love throwing um, top water plugs for them early in the morning and in the evening and and throwing suspending jerk baits like the Rapala Shadow Rap Shad for them this time of year. Mm. Uh, they just knock the snot out of those. And then, you know, again in the fall, you know, you get into November, December, which is a great time of year for reds, but that's when uh, you can catch some pretty good numbers and pretty good size on the trout too. And, you know, you it's not uncommon to have hundred fish days. So it's more of a numbers thing. Whereas this time of year is more of a, you know, targeting big fish, um, kind of thing. But, uh, yeah. And so listening to you say that, man, you know, in terms of, I hear you as fishermen first, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I really do. You as your Daniel Nussbaum, an angler, Mm -hmm. uh, trying to catch the biggest fish and, or as many fish as I can in that day, given situations and conditions. And whether that's, you know, throwing various top water plugs and or suspending jerk baits, et cetera, et cetera. And yet you still own this enormous brand that's global, you know? And so that, that to me, uh, it's refreshing to hear because, and it, that just brings so much more credibility, man, to you and to Z-Man is that, dude, you're an angler first and you're the owner and you set the vision for this company, but yet man, when it all boils down to it, obviously, we, you know, we want to catch fish. Yeah, yeah. We want people to catch fish. So that's really cool that, that you've shared that with us, you know, in, in terms of just plugging, oh, yeah, you got to throw, you know, Z-Man, da 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 Oh, no, and I mean, obviously, when I'm throwing plastics, they're all they're all Z-Man. Yeah, I've got, sure. uh, and and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of other great plastics out there, and there there are baits that, uh, that uh, you know, I kind of set aside, 11 years ago and, and hadn't picked back up that I got to say, I kind of miss fishing. Uh, but, uh, you know, when I'm out there on, on the weekend, I'm, uh, you know, I'm usually just out there to relax and have a good time and, and yeah. hopefully, you know, catch something pretty cool. So last question, uh, cause I know you got to go and, uh, I actually have to bug out as well, man. <laughs> but, uh, and we, we, honestly, we're, we're at time. We'd try to keep these at about at an hour. But I wanted to ask you the last question, which is if you were to uh, go fishing, what would be 
uh, something we would find on tied on your rods and reels pretty much at all time? Like, in other words, what is your go-to lure? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and it's an easy one for me right now because it's been pretty much the same answer for the last year and a half. Um, the bait that I've always got tied on at least one of my rods is a trout eye finesse jig head, which is their mm-hmm. standard trout eye jig head, just a one-aught hook instead of a two-aught, little, little bit shorter hook. Um, you know, still a really good quality must add hook. I mean, I've caught, you know, 35 inch reds on that little hook and, you know, some pretty good sized trout and other stuff too. Mm -hmm. And then a four inch scented jerk shad in the redfish toad color. It's a, it's a really small, you know, profile bait that short hook, um, Mm -hmm. allows a lot of movement in the bait behind the hook. So it's got a nice little wiggle to it. You can crawl it on the bottom. You can hop it pretty fast. You can, and I caught, you know, one of the bigger trout I've caught this, this year, um, back in October, last year, back in October, which was only a 23 inch trout, just to give you an idea of the size we've got here, but it was just, you know, winding it straight in. Um, and you know, I was catching fish on it last weekend and I catch fish on it in December and it just, it's kind of like the Ned rig. It's like a small profile, um, and fish just chew it up. That's awesome, man. Well, thanks for sharing that, uh, Daniel. I really appreciate it. And Man, thanks so much, dude, really, uh, for being on the podcast. I, I really do appreciate it. No, man. thank I, you. I appreciate the opportunity. It's good to good to reconnect with you after all these years. I know, man. And and so I, I know we talked a little bit about it earlier, but I mean, invitation is open. And, and mm-hmm. I, I would be amazed and, and humbled to have you and wait alongside you or whoever uh, from Z-Man down here in the, in the South Texas flats and kind of introduce you to that i know dave flad came down and obviously caught his personal best trout fishing down in port mansfield and there's just something to be said man about fishing this area and how remarkable it can be when knowing that any cast it could just be this absolute mammoth you know and, and there's something to be said for that you know and i'd love to get you down here to experience well that. i'm gonna i'm gonna take you up on that because that's something that uh, it'd be a bucket list thing for me it's something i've wanted to do for a long time and and i'm i'm I've been trying a long time here and I'm pretty convinced I'm not going to catch a giant trout here at this point. So I think I need to come down there. Well, come on, man. Come on. Well, I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks again for being on here and I uh, hope, hope everything goes well, buddy, with this uh, COVID-19 and we can finish it up and get back to normal. I'm all for that. Thanks, Chris. Much appreciated. Right. Hey, for everyone else who's joined the podcast and still listening again, we really thank you for your support and appreciation for supporting the podcast. And, uh, always want to just remind remind everyone um, when they're fishing out there, just enjoy kind of what you're doing and, and never forget to always take what you need, release the rest. And until next time, guys, tight lines and God bless. Take care.